especially in the area of prayer. And so we begin this evening with Psalm 4, which is an evening prayer. And it speaks about the place of prayer even in times of struggle. And so it says this, Answer me when I call to you, my righteous God. Give me relief from distress or from pain. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. How long will you men turn my glory into shame? And we'll talk about that later, how men try to turn our glory into shame. How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Uh, Tremble and do not sin. When you are on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. Many, Lord, are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us. Fill our hearts with joy, like when there is grain and when new wine abounds. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. So that's an evening prayer that draws us into God's presence again this evening. Please rise for God's greeting. Our gathering in God's presence is a confession in itself that we look to the Lord our God as our help and strength. He comes to be with us. He greets us this evening, saying grace to you and peace from God the Father through his Son, Jesus Christ, and the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We also want to confess our faith uh, using the words of the Heidelberg Catechism where it speaks about prayer. So Lord's Day 48 and beginning with the second petition. So this is our confession in response to the question, your kingdom come. What does the second petition mean? Your kingdom come means... Rule us by your word and spirit in such a way that more and more we submit to you. Preserve your church and make it grow. Destroy the devil's work. Destroy every force which revolts against you and every conspiracy against your holy word. Do this until your kingdom fully comes when you will be all in all. And also Lord's Day 52 the sixth petition, question and answer 127, where it says, deliver me from the evil one. What does the sixth petition mean? And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one means by ourselves we are too weak to hold our own even for a moment. And our sworn enemies, the devil, the world, and our own flesh never stop attacking us. And so, Lord, uphold us and make us strong with the strength of your Holy Spirit so that we may not go down to defeat in this spiritual struggle, but may firmly resist our enemies until we finally win the victory. Very good. You may be seated. And we'll come back to those aspects of the Lord's Prayer in the message and our reflection on God's Word. We have opportunity to bring our offering at this time for the work of the GEMS ministry.
Oh, that's a good idea. Did I miss that? Well, you look at that. The opening song. Let's sing the opening song first. I have an arrow to it. Uh, 164. Oh, Lord, you are my light. Thank you. Thank you. So now we can bring our joyful offerings.
We're going to, uh, before we read God's word, we'll pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come with our songs, with our offerings, and also with our hearts ready to uh, learn again what you have to say to us. We thank you that we have, through the weeks and months, uh, reflected on the, the prayers, the great prayers of your people, of great people, of people like Abraham and David and Solomon, and that today, as we reflect on, on prayer of a very ordinary person, a very very uh, unknown person even, Lord, that you would also speak through that prayer into our hearts the truth of our praying to you as one people you know and people you love and people who seek to serve you. Lord, bless us as we read and reflect on your word. And we pray that you would be honored and that your kingdom would come in and through it. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to read from 1 Chronicles 4. 1 Chronicles 4. And we'll read the verses... 1 through 10, from 1 Chronicles 4. We don't often read from 1 Chronicles, and not often from the first chapters. The first nine chapters are strictly names and genealogies. But in chapter 4, there is the prayer of Jabez. Just a little hint in terms of if you are ever asked to read these long lists of names, Read them uh, and pronounce them with confidence as quickly as you can. (laughs) Don't worry. Just go for it. So, 1 Chronicles 4, the descendants of Judah. So we are under the clans of Judah, the tribes of Judah. And so it begins. Perez, Hezron, Carmi, Hur, and Shobal. Riah, son of Shobal, was the father of Japhath, and Japhath, the father of Ahami and Lahad. These were the clans of the Zorathites. They were the sons of Etam. Jezreel, these were the sons of Etam. Jezreel, Ishma, and Idbash. Their sister was named Hazel, El Pony. Penuel was their father of Gidor, and Ezer, the father of Husha. These were the descendants of Hur, the firstborn of Ephratah, and father of Bethlehem. So that's interesting. Asher, the father of Tekoa, had two wives, Hela and Nara. Nara bore him Azuzam, Hefer, Temini, and Hashtari. These were the descendants of Nara. The sons of Hela, Zareth, Zohar, Ethnan and Kaz, who was the father of Anub and Hazobiba, and of the clans of Aharhel, son of Haram. <coughs> Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. His mother had named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me, And enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. 
So we will be looking at that prayer of Jabez. People of God, as we come to this particular chapter, uh, first of all, a textual note. What we are dealing with here in First Chronicles from chapters 1 through chapter 9, so nine full chapters, is all these names, all back and forth, descendant, descendant, descendant. So nine full chapters. And then all of a sudden, right in the middle, you have plunked this prayer, this note. And you might think too, how odd is that? How unusual is that? Actually, in the history of the time, in the history of writing these genealogies and where they find them in other places, it is actually relatively common that they'll be going on about things and names and people and then all of a sudden there'll be something like this. So it's not unusual in that sense. It is what was done. Usually, however, that uh, special person that is, is highlighted, their name is, is in the list. So you'll have what we read, and somewhere in there will be Jabez. But he's not in there. And so that just gives us pause. We can assume that he is from the tribes, the clan of Judah, and that he is tied into the clan of that last name. It talks about the clans of Aharhel, son of Haram. So somewhere in there is Jabez. But he's not even mentioned. He's not even named, see? So that's a little bit unusual. Just as we begin here, just to reflect with you what you know already, uh, Jesus was from the tribe of Judah. So we are talking about the tribe of Judah. And you do, did recognize at least one, one name, right? In verse 4, the father of Bethlehem. Bethlehem is where Jesus was born from the tribe of Judah in the town of Bethlehem. And outside, if you go to Bethlehem, even if you read the Christmas story again, um, you will read that the angels sang about the birth of Jesus in the fields of Ephrathah. And here it is. So verse 4, these were the descendants of her. The firstborn was Ephrathah, where are his fields? Well, his fields are outside the city of Bethlehem, town of Bethlehem. Still, if you go there, and if you go on a tour, they'll take you to the fields of Ephrathah. It's right there. It's a big sign. And Bethlehem is where this son of her lived. So they are always fascinating, these lists of names and how it continues to work itself out. There is already an echo appointing to Jesus, the Savior, the promised one who comes in answer to the prayers of God's people. So that's a beautiful context for the prayer of Jabez. The next thing 
to understand this prayer, you have to uh, understand, we want to begin by looking at Jabez himself. And the only thing we know about Jabez is that his name means born in pain, or literally, he causes pain or he will cause pain. So Jabez, that's, that's the sense of, of his name. And names were significant in those days. And there's a, re- a sense of, of pain. I want to think with you about this pain, first of all. It says, uh, I gave birth to him in pain, verse 9. And so the first thought is, somehow Jabez's birth must have been very painful. Painful, more painful than most, that he's actually named pain. So our thought begins in terms of physical pain. And in the Bible, it talks about pain as in a woman in labor, right? And so there, there is that reality, and that comes back to the reality of sin. Genesis 3, verse 16, where God says to the woman, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing, with pain you will give birth to children. And so, so there is a sense of, is that, is that what's behind it? The sense of, of the reality of sin? Like the, the reality of sin in this, in this person's life, in this family's life, and that, that the actual birth was painful, evidence of sin in this world and in us. There is that that reality. I gave birth to him in pain, recognizing the curse, God's curse on us, on him, on on all humanity under the fall. And that's a huge pain. And that leads to all kinds of, the, the fall into sin causes all kinds of pain and distress and suffering and death that wouldn't be there otherwise. So that's, that's, in the context. Then there's a sense, some, some commentators talk about emotional pain, that, yeah, there could have been some circumstances here that, yeah, somehow the, the mother, her, her husband left her, or he died, or, or something. And so it was painful when the child was born. So you can think about, yeah, there's pain, things happen. And then the, the circumstantial pain that, that may be born into poverty. This was a very poor mother, a poor family, uh, and now another mouth to feed. And so all the senses of a broken world, hey, the difficulties of this world and this life. So you can, you can kind of bring them all in and say, yeah, there was, this was a painful circumstance. I gave birth to him in pain. The real reason, I think, is something else. So there's, there's disagreement overall, but I do want to highlight for you, there's another reason. There's another reason why this is so particularly painful. And it is right in the context, and it's always good to look at the context, and in this context, you have the Father and the Son, the Father and the Son, the Father and the Son. Her, his firstborn was Ephratah, and then the father of Bethlehem. And you have the, the line of descendants. And Jabez comes. And there's no father. And in that culture, 
Like he is, he is, so to speak, a bastard child. He is a child out of wedlock. He is, he has no lineage. He has no father. His mother has been found to be with child. And the shame and the pain of having that stigma on her, she says, I gave birth to him in pain, and he was born with that. Who are you? Who's your father? Nothing. And so, in the whole line, from the sons of this and the sons of that, whose son is Jabez? Nobody. So that, that sense of pain in this context. Can you see how that works itself out? Everybody is good, everybody's fine, but all of a sudden, this happens, and this is not fine. And it reminds us of Mary, who got pregnant out of wedlock, and had Joseph not stepped up, Jesus would have been this kind of name. No line really, no father. Through his mother, Jabez is placed here because his mother is tied into the line. But he has no standing. He has no place. He has no name in that sense. It's just a painful existence. So Jabez is is a child born in sin, really. Not just a sense of God's judgment on the world, not just a sense of, yeah, economic problems, and and there could have been other problems. No, he is born in sin. Everybody would look at him and say, the rest of us are fine, but you, you are no good. And that kind of shame, that kind of pain... Jabez, the pain of sin and shame. So that's what he had, not even so much that his mother had to give it to him. It was, it was the circumstances, and it must not have been easy. If you uh, talk to someone, um, the Koning, he works uh, with the um, helping uh, people in Edmonton who come out of prison, if you have a prison record, it follows you, right? You say, hey, I'd like a job. And they look at the resume and prison record. The shame, the stigma. Sorry, we're not hiring you. And, and he is, people immediately, immediately, everybody else is fine, but you are no good. And that's the kind of thing that Jabez dealt with. In that culture, for sure, that sense of a painful life, the sense of always looked down upon. And when you think about his prayer, at the end of his prayer, 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10, he prays that he would be free from that. Free from that pain. 
that, that he, would, he would in fact have a place, have a family again, have a, have a clean slate, that he would just be looked at and loved and accepted, that he would be free of pain. So this is, this is the struggle that, that he is in, to live instead of under sin and shame in the freedom of God's blessed care. So what does he do? He calls out to God in his pain and he makes four simple requests. And just to look at them, the first one, oh, that you would bless me. Crying out to the God of Israel, crying out to God, oh, that you would bless me. And it's a real uh, desperate kind of cry. When he says that, oh, that you would, some, some translations are, uh, bless me indeed. And, and the picture is knowing that it's undeserved, knowing that, yeah, shameful, shameful that, that to even ask, because totally unworthy. But he calls out to God out of his sad and dreary life, and he asks God, to grant him a blessing. And it's a little bit like, it reminds me of, of the story of Jacob and Esau, where Esau is, gives up his birthright for the pot of stew, and then uh, Jacob uh, steals the blessing from Isaac, and then Esau comes yet and, and says, don't you have something for me? Though circumstances and I've messed up, but can't you still bless me a little bit somehow? So there's that kind of sense behind what he is asking. To ask God for his blessing, to ask God for his favor, to ask God to take the sin and the shame away. He is, is simply speaking in a general sense, even of that sense of blessing from number 6 verse 24 where where it speaks about the lord bless you and keep you and that the lord would just make his face shine on you would just look just look at you because people look away in shame not even going to look at you and so that that god would just look at him is the sense that god would turn his face towards jabez again not, not be looking away, not be ashamed, but would just turn back and look at him. So it's a very, very uh, heartfelt, but just, just a, a very uh, humble plea. It, it doesn't give a long list of things either, just that you would, God, turn to me again, though I am completely unworthy. So that's really where the, the prayer starts. Then the second request, simple request, a little more specific. He says, enlarge my territory. This is uh, a record of the people of Israel as they are going into the promised land. And so they are taking territory and they are given territory. And families were given territories. Bethlehem was given the area of Bethlehem, that town. And Ephrata 
was given the fields outside. And if you read how uh, all of the territory is divided from bigger tribes down to families and clans and down to individuals. And so there is here a sense that Jabez, through his grandfather, through his mother somehow, that, that he maybe has a little place, a little land, and that, that he might have a little more. That sense of the land as a gift from God and the land uh, given to God's people. Now, there's also the sense that the land was divided up, and as each clan received it, then there was still more that could be taken. So, so in the different areas, if you read about how the land was divided, then, then the areas were conquered and the people settled, but then there was more. In Canaan, there was more that wasn't conquered yet and that the people should have gone forward. And there is a sense of, of Jabez thinking too, if we do go forward, if we advance to the full borders of the territory that you want to give us. And so, so the idea is that God would make that possible. That God, in our sense, it wouldn't be so much specifically land, but that it, it would be our influence, our, our ministry, so to speak. That we would, we would take more territory for the Lord, that we would claim more for the Lord. So like asking for an opportunity to witness to a neighbor or a friend or, or to touch more lives for God's glory. It's, it's that kind of prayer that though Jabez is, is unworthy, still that, that God would bless him by giving him opportunity to honor God in his life. So that's, that's the sense of expanding territory. It would be in our day to say too, God, give me a, a more ministry opportunity, another opportunity to serve you somewhere and, and to be open to that and to, to ask God to say, how can we do that? And it does, it does remind me when we started Circle of Friends and, and thinking too, how would we do that? And, and what would that, and that, that was really a new territory at that time. You think, how can we actually feed people? And how can we actually get them to come? And how can we actually keep that going? And, and it, it was all seemed to be beyond. And yet, just prayerfully and step by step, to enlarge the territory, to, to give God's name and presence more place to work. And so that's a beautiful prayer, both personally and as a church. Now notice that this sense of, uh, God, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, there is a sense of your kingdom come out of the Lord's prayer. And so that picture of of. Jesus' kingdom continuing to come, continuing to, to make itself known, continuing to move out, 
and to address different areas. So that's really a, a New Testament sense of this prayer that, that we would pray sincerely, Lord, your will be done, your kingdom come, your influence in this world, that that would continue to grow and spread. And that's a mission kind of vision, that's a, a, a serving kind of vision. The third request in the short prayer is, let your hand be with me. And it has the sense of, of realizing when we step out in faith, when we call upon God to, to guide us into doing what he would want us to do, then, then at a certain point, then we, we kind of wonder, Lord, how can we actually do this? That, that you take on maybe a little more than you can handle. And so... It's very much back to, well, let your hand be with me. That we don't do the work of the Lord alone. When we step out in faith, we trust that God is with us. And that prayer is answered in terms of Jesus who comes and is Emmanuel, God with us. So that, that sense of as we seek to do Ministry, as we seek to serve where we are called, we can be assured too God is with us. And John 15, Jesus says, without me you can do nothing. And so there's a sense of, of our prayer too. As we go forward in faith, then to call upon the Lord to be with us. That God's blessing as we move into new territory, feeling maybe overwhelmed, afraid, or worried, and we come back to the sense we need to pray in dependence on Jesus, to walk with him hand in hand. And yeah, I have that all the time, generally in ministry too, as, as things come up and you wonder exactly how to proceed and you wonder how should we do this, both uh, individual cases or as a church, and then the prayer comes back, Lord, you have to be here. You have to help us. And otherwise, we, we just don't know really how we can go forward. And so that's, that's really the heart of this prayer too. And so... We are looking again at office bearer nominations and how to work that out. We need prayerfully to trust God's leading and to call upon him to work in all of that again. And our prayer is always, let your hand be with me, holding me, guiding me, showing me the way. And God is faithful and he answers our prayer. We see it, uh, an example from the New Testament where where the disciples are, are just after the resurrection and they, they have seen the risen Lord and, and they're going forward just, just trying to comprehend Jesus is alive. And then, and then when the day of Pentecost comes and Peter stands up and, and he preaches that sermon to the people gathered there uh, and you wonder on the one hand, what is he thinking? Because he's, he's preaching the message of Jesus to the people who have crucified him. And so the actual sense of, well, this is maybe not a great idea. This is likely not going to be terribly helpful. And yet, going forward, 
trusting in God, 3,000 respond. So that sense of God expanding the territory because God is with his people as they go forward in faith is very much the picture here in this prayer as well. And finally, when he says, keep me from harm or keep me from evil. And that comes back to the reality that when, when you do seek the Lord's blessing, when you do step out in faith, and, and as you go forward, that you are taking the territory of someone who's not willing to give it up. And that's the devil. That's Satan. And so as, as the kingdom moves forward, then the devil pushes back. He is not pleased. And so he wants to harm God's people as they go forward. God in Jesus is invading and taking back what was lost, but you recognize stories come up about about people in faith, people in ministry, and they're doing good things, and then all of a sudden there's a scandal. Something comes up. A a program is going, or a ministry is going, or, or an outreach is going, and then all of a sudden one of the leaders is caught in some kind of sinful activity, and everything collapses, and everyone leaves, and all is lost. And so you have that sense of as we go forward... We say, keep me from harm. May our witness be pure and true. And you think of Billy Graham through all the years and, and never, never faltered, hey? And you think, man, had, had he faltered too, that whole side of things would have collapsed. And, and there are stories of, of that reality. So to be aware of that, that there is the effort of the evil one to undermine the work of God as people go forward in faith. And so we need to pray, just like in the Lord's Prayer, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. So that's why we looked at that in our confession, that we, we go forward recognizing the evil one is always ready to drag us down but that we put our hope, our trust in God to protect us, to keep us from harm. So that's, that's the prayer. Notice at the uh, beginning of the prayer, 1 Chronicles 4 verse 9, it says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. That gives again a hint that he was born in dishonor. He was, he was not born in honor. He was born in dishonor. But he was more honorable than his brothers because he is seeking to honor God in his life. That's, that's what he's trying to do here. That's his prayer, that God would be honored in his life. And that's the Lord's prayer as well. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed, honored be your name. And if that's our prayer, to honor God's name in our lives, then then indeed we will be blessed. 
And it says that God honors Jabez here by answering his prayer. So when we ask too that God be honored and glorified in our, our lives, then just like Jabez, God will answer our prayers because it's his honor and glory that we are seeking to lift up. And then we will be free from the pain of sin and shame. Then our life will be... Uh, really, we can, our life will stand out in terms of seeking to honor God. So we make it our prayer, too, to do that. The prayer of Jabez, we can make it as our own. And I wanted to conclude by asking you to join me in saying the prayer of Jabez together. I have it here, 1 Chronicles 4, verse 10. Let's say it together. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I would be free from pain. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing some songs in response and Debbie is going to lead us in some songs of praise. And we have? Maybe not.